any change on how you view Baker over the years? Yeah, I'd love to be able to comment on your question, but this isn't my first rodeo. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to keep the comments to the players on our roster right now. Okay. And do you look at Sam as your starting quarterback? Sam is our starting quarterback, yes. And I'll let, you know, Coach Rule will obviously have a say over that, but the way it is in the building right now, Sam is our starting quarterback. You know, one of the things I've been working on is being better talking to you people. So, you know, announcing the starting quarterback here, I just put my foot in the mouth. So I, that wasn't something I should have said. <laughs> ah, that was great. That was, I love it. his first rodeo. <laughs> I love it, though. I love how he owned it, though. I really he did. He pivoted as much personality as I've seen. Takes to get him out of a big giant suit that doesn't fit him. What was that hair too? He's learned plenty of lessons from the bro cream days. I like the hair. I did He's too. He's kind of got it a cowboy look. vibe to him. Right. I like it. Yep. Well, he was. I guess he was. He was down there in Dallas, right? That's where he was. So maybe that that cowboy vibe rub, rubbed up on uh, rubbed off on him. But that was cool to see. It really was. And. Uh, that was neat that he kind of said that maybe out of turn, but not really that out of turn. I'm sure he kind of knows Look, that already. Right now, Sam Darnold would be the starting quarterback, yeah, but right. there's still plenty of moves that could be made, including Baker Mayfield. And he was smart not to talk about Baker Mayfield. Stupid to even ask him the question. He can't comment on players who are not currently on the roster. Otherwise, you walk right into a tampering trap. Not that the league ever enforces it. It's still smart to avoid that if you are the person who is in a position to make the comments. So some comments have been made by or about a given quarterback. Our challenge now is to guess which quarterback the comment is about. We have done this before. We apparently liked it enough to bring it back. The jury is out on whether or not this is going to be like one of those Price is Right games that shows up every week or shows up once a month or just shows up when they got nothing else to talk about. We'll see. Here we go. First one. Pete called me Dr. Doom. I'm, yeah. try- I'm trying to just set expectations. My own. Was I always what, in the best position to succeed? I don't know. Which quarterback, Chris, said that? Was I always put in the best position to succeed? I don't know. Yeah, that was all. That was one of those where you got the ask. Was I always put in the best question to succeed? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I don't know here either. I'm gonna go with Sam Darnold. I'm, uh, Sam Darnold is that that maybe the guy? Who is it? Well, Justin Fields is the one. Justin Fields. This was. From his comments to reporters upon the outset of the Bears offseason program with new coach Matt Eberflus, I'm ready for the role and I'm ready to lead this offense and lead this team. There's stuff in the film last year where you could see that, of course, there were some instances where it was my fault that I got sacked. But look, a lot of it was it just it just felt like it. I don't know. It just It's never felt like in recent years it's working between a Bears quarterback and the coaching staff. And last year there were times where he played well, but... The, the whole obsession with Andy Dalton's our quarterback all year long, that that put the, the, the relationship between Fields and the Bears coaching staff on a weird footing from the get-go. Yeah, they were yeah. determined it was going to be Andy Dalton all year long. They were going to do everything they could to keep Justin Fields on ice for a year. And I don't know whether that was a plan for Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy to keep their jobs until this year. Like, wait wait until next year. You, yeah. This year may be rough. Wait until next right. year when we debut Justin right. Fields. But it just showed a fundamental lack of understanding that at some point Justin Fields was destined to play. Yes, uh, and, and the, like he did as well as he could for the surroundings, or, you know, the, and what was around him. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not so smoothly there. He did. You look at the player. More times than not, when I looked at 
you know, the games and went, oh, wait, it wasn't that good. I mean, it was the Bears offense. We know we've had this talk a lot. Yeah, the Bears offense did nothing for quarterbacks to make it easy or, or better or anything that way, let alone like the first game is still a wow moment. They play the Browns, and they just go, Justin Fields, run the Andy Dalton offense. We're not even going to scare the Browns defense, which is one of the better in football and fast as hell, and we don't protect that well. We're just going to have you drop back and be right there in that spot. We're not going to use your movement to scare them or back them off or change the way they play at all. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, that, that, To me, that game said it all right there, that there was no plan and just no clue by the staff at times. And, you know, that, that reminds me of another point that I learned a long time ago, and apparently plenty of head coaches have not. It is so important to have your top two quarterbacks have the same skill set. Then you have the same offense for both guys. You don't have one playbook for one quarterback, a different playbook for another quarterback. That puts pressure on the players, on the coaches, on everyone, when you basically set the Andy Dalton playbook aside and pick up the Justin Fields playbook or vice versa, or or not set the Andy Dalton playbook aside and have Justin Fields do the things that don't fit his skill set. That's just a disaster, and that's one of the reasons why there's a new coach and a new GM yeah. in Chicago. Next quote. He showed us a good deal of command of our offense last year when he played, so he's out in front of the other guys that are involved in the competition in that regard. Who is that quote about? Wow. Man, that's actually a tough one here. I'm looking at teams. I'm not looking at the answer here because it's got to be a, a no. I mean, it's Jameis Winston, Davis Mills. Ah, who am I missing also that would have played last year that has an advantage in the competition? Keep thinking. You're getting warm. I'm getting warm. I'm getting warm. Damn it. Damn it. Who am I missing? I I'd be surprised to think he's got an advantage in the competition, though, but currently it's none of the above with this team. It's currently it's the Seahawks. It's the Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. Geno okay. Smith. Gotcha. All right. Geno Smith started three games last year. Remember against the Rams when Russell Wilson messed up his finger. Yeah. That Thursday night, Geno had a pretty good game, and they were chanting Geno, Geno, and they, they had the final drive, and there was a there was a weird interception that really the wasn't his fault. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, the receiver right. tripped and fell. Yeah, the receiver tripped and fell. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Geno Smith signed his contract with the Seahawks. It was disapproved by the league. We still don't know why, but they expect it to be fixed and re-signed and he'll be with the team but it's him it's Drew Locke it's Jacob Eason and it's whoever else they may get and they still have shown no interest in Baker Mayfield so I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback maybe they are going to give Geno Smith a chance to be the starter we shall see next line it's definitely surreal honestly my entire career here he's been the guy about which quarterback was that quote uttered Ooh. Wow. Um, I mean, almost my entire career here, he's been the guy. It could go a lot of different I ways. I know. I'm, I want to say Aaron Rodgers. Surreal implies, surreal implies that there's been a change. It's, in, it's surreal because my entire time here, he's been the guy. So where has there been a quarterback a really long oh, time Pittsburgh. who's not there yeah, anymore? Pittsburgh is what we're talking no. about. Close, but uh, no cigar. Matt Ryan, no <laughs> longer with the Falcons, Damn it. said by Jake Matthews. <laughs> okay. And this will be the last time that we play this game. On <laughs> I, I enjoy the con I don't mind one. looking like the idiot who guesses. It's okay. I don't mind. The energy in this building has been different with him and coach. Who is that about? The energy has been different with him and coach. I got to think that's Russell Wilson and, and Hackett, right? Least, yeah. yeah, I got one right. Woo! Raymond Jones made that quote. Hey, they uh, look, uh, 
Russ I is don't cooking. know how this Russell Wilson trade is going to work out, but Russ is making an impact. And I don't know whether you just got a collective organization that's trying to speak it into existence, but they love this guy. And you can tell they, they have gone a long six years between franchise Yeah, right. They're because thirsty. Because none of the guys who <laughs> yeah. have been there since Peyton Manning know how to take over a team the way Russell Wilson is taking over the team. He's taking over the city, and uh, he's eventually going to take over the owner's bank account when it's time for them to pay him that new contract because uh, he, he's going to get probably the richest deal we've ever seen, and uh, whether it's now or there's next year, it's going to happen. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. All right, I'll give that a – I'll give that a – I'll give that a, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I want to take. You'll think about it more. You'll think about it. (laughs) We'll try to, we'll try it again next week. Pete says for now, we're going to take a look at the AFC West draft needs. We'll do that when this Wednesday edition of PFT live continues right after this. The, uh, I was. I lost. I just completely lost my. That's train like of twice in the last of, week. You've I know, done this. this I know. Is, you. What are you? Did you sneak and get my secret stash or what? When I smoke weed, I am the smartest I can possibly be for about fifty. As far minutes. as you think, and then I become, yeah, like the dumb stoner you see on TV. Well, that may be because you're in a haze of marijuana smoke Thursday night <laughs> to day. Sunday morning. That may have something to do with it. I don't have any knowledge, but I don't know. My pasta and meatballs, whatever, or my potatoes and steak, whatever, in my, my belly make me think that can happen. Uh, it's, it's your wheat yeah. Doritos. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, it's here, 4.20. I'm surprised you're even here today. I tried to get out. I tried. I tried to I tried to break all types of rules today. I tried to do it all. I wanted to be the first, you know, football television show that, you know, we're celebrating 4.20 live on the show. One day we can do that, hopefully. You could have eaten a brownie, I guess. I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Lick your coffee I'd have been real good in that segment. Who said it after a brownie? That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, happy 420. Let us be among the first to wish you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happy 420. Big day. Big day. Who celebrate. All right. 420. 420 at 420. Mm. That's taking it next level. That is taking it next level. You got to be you got to be inhaling and holding for the entirety of the four o'clock, 20 minute, 60 second. Window. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. AFC West team draft needs. Let's begin with the Kansas city chiefs. They've been to a couple of super bowls. They've won one. They've got some, you know, do we even need to get it? They can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing. Hmm. They don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. Uh, they've got two first-round picks, the 50th and the 62nd overall picks as well. 12 total selections tied yeah. with Jacksonville for the most. Mm. What do they need? Should we skip over receiver yeah. and go to another position? Let's do that. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, yeah, I expect receiver to be somewhere on the radar. But like we discussed yesterday, I don't think it's like they don't have to reach for it, I think. That's the good thing. With them going Juju and then MVS – that gives them a little bit of, like, they don't have to overreach. They're not, like, desperate, desperate. But I certainly think that's got to be on their radar. The one thing I look at, Mike, more than anything that just jumps up out their roster, of course it's a great roster and uh, they're great evaluators, is, is an edge guy, an edge guy. I mean, there was a reason they went out there and traded for Melvin Ingram for Pittsburgh last year. You know, Frank Clark, it's been a little all over the place. Last year was a very slow start, and – 
the Chiefs have had a hard time getting pressure with their front four. They were one of the, they were towards the bottom of football last year as far as sacks and Spagnolo and and company. Yeah, he can dial up some crazy blitzes and do all that. But as we know, you you don't want to live on that edge too much. You're going to get burned if you blitz too much. So you know, another pass rusher would certainly I think do them well in this draft. You know, I had a thought. And this piggybacks on what we were talking about earlier with the Andy Dalton, Justin Fields thing. I would almost be intrigued at this point because Chad Henney's been the backup forever. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I'd be intrigued by finding a quarterback with a skill set that is somewhat similar to Patrick Mahomes and have somebody you develop, have somebody that is ready to go if Patrick Mahomes is injured, and then somebody you can flip for an equal or greater pick two or three years down the road, like Andy Reid always seemed to do. He was so good. Great at it in Philly. At taking backup quarterbacks, yeah. getting far more for them than they were worth, to the point where I don't think anybody wanted to trade with him anymore. No more quarterback trades with Andy Reid because he always makes them look infinitely better than we can. Remember the Kevin Cobb disaster? Sure, yeah. He became the starter 2011 in Arizona. Yeah, A.J. Feely. A I mean, he's had lots of guys. One like, after yeah, another right. after another. But I, I, I just and, – and look, they've done a good job of holding it together when they have to, when Mahomes can't play. But how about a guy that can do the things – not not that – I mean – I know. That's the problem. It's not, just, it just you're going to – yeah, right. I got you. But, but a more mobile backup option, not a Chad Henney. Somebody who can, who can still run that offense the way Mahomes does it to make it easier for the other players, especially when you take Tyree Kill out of the equation. It's going to be harder, I think, for yeah. a lesser group of receivers to adapt – to a lesser quarterback if Mahomes would be injured. I, I, I don't disagree with that. And, you know, the one thing that I love about Andy Reid and all those years and, and everything you're kind of discussing there is he was like, you know, he, to me, always has the right idea as far as, like, who to draft later on in the draft. He drafts the guy that can really maybe be something, not the guy that we go, oh, he's definitely a backup forever and he's great in the meeting room and he can get us out of the huddle. He goes with the guy that's like, okay, maybe not as great in all those areas, but has a real chance to be something on the field. Like, yeah, it's not perfect yet, but there's a real tangible like trait that the guy has to go, maybe it can be something. And to me, that's what you do in the mid-rounds of the draft if you go for the quarterback instead of these guys that everybody's like, well, he can say the play the right way. It's very impressive. Like, so what? He'll never play to say the play because he's not good enough. So stop worrying about it. Yeah, I, I like that about Andy Reid. Spoken by a guy who couldn't say the play. <laughs> exactly. Right, coach. Just get him open. I'll throw a laser in there. I'm great at that. All this talking mumbo jumbo. <laughs> the Raiders, uh, once coached by your former Tampa Bay coach, John Gruden, can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what? And by the way, they've got the 86th overall pick. The round one and round two selections went to Green Bay for Devontae Adams. They only have five picks. What do they need more than anything else in this draft? I, I, I think tackle is where I come away with. with the, they have some things, I think, that I look at on their team maybe more than others where I just go, you know, they got to change some things around because such of a philosophical difference. Um, defensive tackle, I look at that and go, oh, you know, they want more big people there. But they did a decent job in free agency. Linebackers, one I look at because again, this is New England. They believe in bigger middle linebackers as compared to the last regime, Gus Bradley and company. They want that Seattle smaller, faster linebacker. But I do think I look at offensive line and, and tackle specifically, tackle opposite 
of Colton Miller. The right tackle position was less than from the Raiders last year, and McDaniels knows how important that position is. I'd be shocked if they didn't get one you know, somewhere with one of those picks. I remember a few years ago they made a concerted effort to go out and get some roughneck, badass dirtbag, and I mean that in a positive way. That's what Jim Mora, the younger, used to call it, that, that mindset on the offensive line. The guy who will, you know, yeah. always bring it to you right. physically, and the I'm incognito not saying that's what they need guy. To do now, right, right. But the but the but the bottom line is they need offensive linemen who fit what Josh McDaniels is trying to do, and we we know that it's always been kind of a unique approach, a different kind of thing in New England, where there's just a different mindset, a different philosophy, a different way of making it all happen. But they need something to effectively protect Derek Carr so he can get the football to this great group of pass catchers he now has. It doesn't matter if you have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro if you aren't getting the protection. And there's going to be just a philosophical difference. It's the Patriot way taking over the organization, and especially at offensive line. They they need guys that Josh McDaniels believes can run the offensive line the way they want it to be run. Yeah, that that's exactly right. They do. And, and of course, it's, it's an intricate offense that you know asks a lot of their offensive line. There's a lot mentally and physically of what they do. And one of the reasons that New England was so great for years and years is you know, they, they had a vision and a great ability to evaluate offensive linemen. Of course, had a very good coach there, but they understand really how to protect the quarterback. I mean, again, they it's 20 years with a quarterback that really doesn't move that well. Great in the pocket. We know that and all of that, but they did a good job of making sure he could just stay right there within the pocket, and, and I'm with you. I've got to think that's big time on their radar. We've talked about the two AFC West teams that made it to the postseason last year. Let's take a quick break. When we return, the draft needs in 2022 for the Chargers and the Broncos as they try to crash the playoff party. More PFT Live right after this. All right, guys, here we go. Great to be around you guys. Fellas, it's been too long. Three months and eight days. I want you guys to think about this concept of a gym rat. And I want you guys to start thinking about that term. Because you guys get paid to play football for a living. All right, in order to be good at it, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. Oh, Brandon Staley getting them all fired up. Let me tell you something. We've got a quick image of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert looking a little swole, as the kids would say. Definitely. Didn't he look a little larger to you? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he's just he's, he's a big dude. Uh, I mean, remember when we saw him at the Combine, how easily he carried 240? You were like, oh, I mean, this is – he just big shoulders. And the other thing you, cl- you, you see there is just the speed. They had the one clip there of like everybody taking off on the the sprint at the start of the video, and damn, I mean Justin Herbert was one of the first out of the blocks. It's he's a specimen, and you're right, there is a little more structure in the chest and arms there than than I used to see. All right, so the Chargers who gave up the second round pick to uh, the Bears for Khalil Mack, they hold the 17th overall selection, 10 total picks. They can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what, Chris? Uh, the Chargers, it, it comes down to like two positions to me that, that seem to at least make sense. You know, offensive tackle, the right tackle position specifically, I think that's one you could look at. I think the other one that really kind of still jumps out to me 
and they've tried to address this in free agency, is the, the defensive tackle position. That's the one I look at maybe more than anything. Uh, again, the Chargers, it was, what, the worst run defense in football last year? I'm pretty sure it was. I should probably have double-checked that. If not worst, it's right up there with it. You know, They're sitting there in the late teens, which could be prime defensive tackle territory. Uh, I, I, I look at that as really being their, their number one need, Mike. They need that kind of guy. And I think with that defense and Staley and what he does too, you know, they ask their guys to, to do some space eating and stuff like that, and they don't have a lot of them on their roster. I, I am going to keep it very simple. And even though they added J.C. Jackson in free agency, yeah. I think they need to beef up the secondary Four because they're dealing with Patrick Mahomes. They're dealing with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and the other pass catchers with the Raiders. They're dealing with Russell Wilson and his great core of receivers. It is going to serve you well to have a defense that can slow down the other team just a little bit, just a little bit, if you can uh, get away with that, because your offense is good enough to overcome them if you can just break serve once or twice during one of those AFC West games. All right, let's move on to the Denver Broncos. They don't have much to deal with because they have given up uh, selections from uh, the Russell Wilson trade rounds. One and two picks are gone. They do have the 64th overall pick from the Rams, thanks to the Vaughn Miller trade. Nine total picks. They can't leave the draft without addressing what, Chris? Well, again, it's two positions that pop out, and I'm not trying to cop out here. I'm just giving everybody a little info. Inside linebacker would be one that I'd look at for sure, but I think the one that's most glaring on their roster, and this is in lieu of the trade, is tight end. You know, tight end, I think, is a spot where not only do they need numbers, but they need another guy there uh, that's going to make that offense work. You know, it's it's a good – I can never say his last name. Uh, the tight end that is there right now, Albert Okowik o- 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 – oh, Alberto, I'm going to go with, okay? Alberto, solid, but he's not Noah Fant or a game changer that way. I would think where they're sitting at 64 that – well, maybe one tight end's off the board, but you might be able to get tight end two, three, or four right there at that moment to help your football team and Russell Wilson. I'd be looking for offensive linemen because sure. you want to keep Russell Wilson upright, yep. and he's always had offensive line issues in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to talk to him at all about what he thinks about the draft, I think he gets a piece of paper and he writes an O and he writes an L and he hands it back to George Payton because they've got to make that investment in the guys up front to give him the time that he needs, especially because he's not as mobile as he used to be. At some point, he decided to add armor, natural armor, to his body and sacrifice some of his mobility. And when you see pictures of him now, he he's bigger than he's ever been. He's carrying weight, and that's keeping him from running like he used to. So you need to have an offensive line. Chris, I don't disagree. You can keep him upright. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. There's a need there. They, they you know, another the right tackle position. Well, that's definitely a question there. You know, and again, it's it's a draft that's got a lot of tackles there. So they can hopefully address that. But I don't think your thoughts are wrong there. I think that's when I look at it that. Inside linebacker, tight end, those are the three I look at to be you know, uh, positions that, that need to be addressed by the Broncos. We're going to take a break. We're going to do a draft later in the program. When we return, Sean McVay had something to say about his defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, yesterday. We're going to tell you what he said. We're going to give you some thoughts on maybe what Sean McVay could do to address his concern. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. PFT Live. 
I, I can't say enough good things about this guy. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about, you know, he's a mentor, he's like a big brother, but getting back connected with him again, the, the, the zest for life, the positive, authentic energy he brings every day, the way that he has a great way of injecting humor into challenging guys, and then just, you know, having one of your closest friends that you're able to work with closely in a leadership role is huge. Um, you know, I, I think... Um, I think he's a phenomenal coach. I'm very selfishly grateful that he is uh, still here. And it's also uh, a reflection of how far we have to go because he's one of the best coaches in the world. And the fact that he isn't a head coach is a crime. Strong comment from Sean McVay about defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Previous coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's got plenty of experience on both sides of the ball. He spent four years in Atlanta on the offensive side of the ball, primarily a defensive guy. And this comment is made at a time when you've got three coaches suing the NFL for racial bias in the hiring of head coaches. Whether McVeigh intended to say that or not, that's a strong statement. May get him a ticket to show up and testify in a deposition or at court at some point along the lines. But you can't ignore the broader circumstances and context when McVeigh says that because we're at a point where there's a, a strong effort to end what has been an unfair system just based on the numbers, folks. We're just basing it on the numbers. Flip a coin 500 times, it comes up head 490 times, you got a problem with the coin. There's clearly a problem with the coin. And McVeigh is pointing that out. There's a problem as to why Raheem Morris isn't a head coach. He's just one of the examples of the bias that's been baked into the system. And uh, I'm, I'm glad he said it, whether he realized what he was saying and whether he intended to inject himself into the debate. More coaches need to be willing to say the kinds of things that Sean McVay said. Yeah, that's why Sean McVay's awesome. I mean, he's, you know, for a coach, it's not a lot of coach speak. He does a good job of being honest. And, like, he ca- he cares about people. That's the one thing you, ca- you realize about Sean McVay. Players, coaches, whatever, he cares about them. And he's seen Raheem Morris in action ever since he was going there and being a de facto ball boy or do it boy for the Buccaneers when I was quarterback there. Raheem Morris is made to be a head coach. He was one of those guys that I was around where you go, he's a head coach. You knew it like after being around him a month. He got rushed into being a head coach in Tampa Bay. Nobody expected John Gruden to be fired. Gruden, the owner, something happened. It came to an end abruptly. They knew what Raheem Morris was and the potential he has, so they made him the head coach. It didn't work out. There was a lot of issues there as far as why didn't that didn't the work out. I didn't know. The exactly right. They got rid of him. They got Greg Schiano and spent $900 zillion. And made, uh, I want to be like, well, why didn't they do that for Raheem Morris? So he's ready, and he is. He's one of those guys that's the list of African-American head coaches where you just go, I, I don't get it. What else does the guy got to do to get back or be a head coach? And, and, and it's frustrating. Something I thought of earlier after I saw the comments, and it was initially kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but you know what? There's maybe some merit to it. McVay could have made him the offensive coordinator. If you want to put him on the fast track, and he's got four years' experience in Atlanta as a pass game coordinator yeah, and receiver coach. he knows both coach, sides, yeah. All, all, you got, all you got to do is, is run that Sean McVay offense, even though he's the one who runs it, and you become the golden boy who becomes a head coach somewhere. So I, I don't know that McVay has thought of that, and obviously he would have had to have find, found bombed a new defensive coordinator but uh yeah that's part of the reality he's been pigeonholed on the defensive side of the ball even though he's got experience on the offensive side and and hopefully other coaches not privately in a meeting with owners like Pete Carroll did not that I'm saying Pete Carroll shouldn't have done that but when you take up that fight publicly that's when 
maybe it starts to get others to join in the conversation, say what needs to be said to get the message through to the owners who are the ones who need to change the way they view filling these jobs. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to have a draft. In our ongoing series of the best players in the NFL from a given college, we pivot to Norman, Oklahoma, and we'll look at the best Sooners who are in the NFL when PFT Live continues right after this. Back-to-back years, they were starting quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy winners and the first overall pick in the draft, Mayfield to the Browns, Kyler Murray to the Cardinals. They've both been in the news recently. So we decided we would do a draft today of the best Oklahoma players currently in the National Football League. Chris, you've got a trivia question for me. All right, you ready? I think you're going to know this one. What Oklahoma player, not just the first overall pick in the draft, but was also the first ever pick for his franchise? Think about this. Don't look at your computer. First Leroy overall Selman? pick. Yeah. Leroy Boom. Selman. Boom. Yep. 1976. Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. What I thought color is blue? I thought you'd get that. Look at that. He's trying to get Phil. Oh, Phil must have handed that, it off there. That's not Phil. That's Brad Van Pelt. No, that's, that's no, Phil. That it is, says S-I-M-M. Wait, unless oh, they had another wait. quarterback. No, I'm, I'm just looking at the tackle. I thought the tackle was number 10. Yeah, why would Brad Van Pelt have been on the yeah, field right. playing defense while the Buccaneers were playing defense? Never mind. But remember, there was, and he was number 10, not 11. He there was. is Sims back there. There okay, is a guy never there. Mind. Yep, yep. All right, uh, boy, I guess I got to go Kyler Murray. Let's go with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. All right, Kyler Murray by you. I get that. Final answer. Good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Trent Williams, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, best tackle wow. in football. I'm going with him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now it gets a little more difficult. Yeah. Now ooh, ooh. we got five minutes, so we can take our time. I can slow. Just down let now. it breathe, baby. It's Oklahoma. I hate this school, by the way. Just so you know, if we got time to breathe here, I mean, I hate Why? them because they owned Why? me in college. You know, I mean, my junior and senior year, I started those games. The Texas fans, the Texas fans, blame me for my sophomore year loss, where I got in the game and we were down twenty-eight nothing. But they don't want to put that on Major Applewhite. Poor him. But yeah, so but they dominated us, and and, and damn, I mean, they hurt my draft stock. I mean, we were two, they were three, we were one, they were two. They beat us both times. That damn song's in my head. Their fight song. It sounds like the only thing that would have made it worse is if Kyle Bowler was their quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. There's Roy uh, Williams. Or just roll My this one goodness. more time. Yeah. Oh, My goodness. Boom. Roy Williams. Superman he- comes. I mean, what could anyone have done then? And it was the perfect angle to hit a left-handed quarterback. It was. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. He's best Brilliant. college player I played against, definitely. He was amazing. And he, um, uh, as I've told you before, he, he did that to me earlier in the quarter, and I ran up the middle for like 25 yards. And the, the legend is that the coaches told them when they called the blitz, don't dive, don't do what you did again. Mike, what's going to be so great about that play, this is what's so crazy about football, is I have my Roy Williams, the receiver, who's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I'm throwing him the ball because they blitzed. It's one-on-one out there. So it's like going to be one of those where if I can get it out there fast and I get it, he can make a guy miss, and it's going to be, ooh, watch out. And, of course, that's not what happened. So, yeah. Yeah. One of those day, one of these days, they're going to build a statue of that moment. You're going to be part of a statue. I'm in the Oklahoma. Hall of Fame more than anybody in Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm, there's more right. pictures of me than anybody. <laughs> All right, now we've we've filled, so we Good. can get back to the draft. I'll go CD Lamb just based on number one, what he's done, and number two, what I think he's going to do now that 
Amari Cooper is gone and CeeDee Lamb becomes the number one receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, I have a feeling his numbers are going to explode. Yeah. And, uh, look, a lot of great players from Oklahoma, but I think I think CeeDee Lamb on the rise for the Cowboys this year. Yeah. No, no defensive players from Oklahoma. That's the one thing you realize in this, this draft. It's a, the Big 12. They don't believe in defense, certainly. You're such a horror Der of skill position guys how yes. dare you yes you're such a hoarder all right i'm going i got the best left tackle in football now i think i'm going to add the best right tackle to my team i'm going to go lane johnson i mean i am lane johnson is just he is he's definitely in the conversation for top two or three right tackle in the game uh he's phenomenal he really is and uh yeah i'll go with him um i guess i gotta go joe mixon joe mixon I- i'm gonna take another Skill position player. Yeah. I'm going to be a hoarder. I'm glad, to, I'm glad we straightened that out for the first time. You talked about John Gruden being a quarterback whore without the der on the end. So I'm glad we've gotten that all figured out. But yeah. I'll go Joe Mixon. Look, a, a, a key factor in that Bengals offense, and I think underrated because we get so caught up with Joe Burrow yeah. and Jamar Chase and what the offense can do from a passing standpoint. But you know, they had a couple of games last year where they went heavy with Joe Mixon and he had huge performances. Yeah, and imagine if they could get an O-line that can really open up holes on a consistent basis. I mean, yes, that's what can make Cincinnati dangerous is they, have, they weren't able to rely on that aspect of their game against the better teams in football. So maybe this year they can do that with some of the improvements on the O-line. All right. Damn. Man, Mark Andrews is on the board. Wow. Creed Humphrey. Arguably already the best center in football. His teammate. Baker's on the board. I know. I'll screw them all. I'm going big boys here. It's the big boy draft for Chris Sims. I'm going with my, really, maybe my favorite left tackle in football. It's my Orlando Brown. I'm going with him. I am. I love Orlando Brown. I mean, he's the Stay puff Marshmallow man, but he's got, like, ballerina feet. I mean, I love it. So, yes, I'll go with him uh, protecting Patrick Mahomes, he had a good year last year, better than what the stats or the grading say. Uh, Mahomes has got to help him out in the pocket a little bit. Interesting times coming for Oklahoma, too, with the move to the SEC. Right. And Riley gone as the head coach and the whole NIL dynamic. I think the bigger the city, the bigger the market, the greater the opportunities to shake money out of the pockets of people in the area who have money. And I know for the established schools, you've got a bigger alumni network. It's a greater point of pride, but it's going to change everything. I It all happened so fast last year. I don't think we had a chance to really appreciate it, but the landscape of college football and college sports generally is going to change dramatically. Yeah. Dramatically. Right. And some of these programs that are in or near big cities are going to have a chance to really cash in because the more money you can raise, the more money they can funnel to the players, the better the players they can get. No doubt. And Texas and Oklahoma, they're going to be good at that. They're going to be good. They've got strong alumni bases. It won't take them long to infuse in the SEC and, and get up to speed in that way of life. they got to adjust their teams. I mean, as we're seeing here, Oklahoma, there's no defensive players in the Big 12. There's not a lot in the draft ever either. And the SEC is full of them, but uh, they'll adjust. There's a lot of talent in both states to be had there. All right, we've made it through Wednesday's show. See you at 5 o'clock Eastern for PFTPM. Not at 420. We won't be on at 420. Don't come to me then. See ya. (laughs) 